Hello and welcome to a Word for This Day podcast. I'm Jory Schaefer, the show's host and creator, and it is my joy and pleasure to welcome you today. Welcome to anyone who's found us for the first time. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for stopping by. Don't run off quite yet. Stick around for a little while and see what the Lord has for us today. Friend, it is no accident that you are here. There are no accidents. There are no coincidences in God's timeline. So I'm so thankful that you're here. And welcome to you regular listeners. I'm thankful for you as well. I pray for all of you regularly. I pray when you send me your uh, prayer request. And even though I don't know who all of you are, God knows exactly who you are. He knows what you're in the middle of, what you're coming out of, what you're going into. And he is faithful and he loves us so. You know, we will have difficulties. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so there are going to be difficult times, but oh, friends, I don't know how people walk through those without him. And he loves us so. He refines us. He purifies us. He walks with us. He makes us more like his son um, in everything that he brings us through. And we know that Romans 8.28 says uh, and that for those who love God, all things, not just some things, but all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So we may not understand the why of different things, but God's purposes are greater and higher. And I'm just so thankful that he sees the whole picture and that he loves us so. Um, please consider sharing this podcast with friends, family, neighbors, strangers, just anyone who you think may wish to come along this journey with us. And know that I do love to hear from you. So send me a message sometime if you feel so led. You can find my email in the show notes. It's a word for this day at gmail.com. Remember that we're uh, I've been doing some little short form videos on some daily journaling. And I would encourage you, even if you haven't started it yet, don't feel like since we're here toward the end of January that you've missed out or that you can't do it. It doesn't matter what day you start it. Uh, but I would encourage you to consider uh, writing some of your prayers and praises. You don't have to write them all because if you're like me, there's things throughout the day that I just whisper thanks and praise or ask questions or ask for help throughout the day with God the Father. But uh, that intentional devotional time of really thinking about Him, using our ears, our mind, our hands to write, our uh, voice to speak it, um, it makes such a difference. And so I would just encourage you to, to at least try that discipline for a while, even if you try it for a week. Um, but we're coming up on the end of January. We'll be jumping into February soon, but you can find those videos on YouTube and um, many of the social media outlets as well. All right. Well, our verse for the day for January the 29th, 2024 comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, and it reads as follows from the English Standard Version. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake 
Oh, friends, when we read this and we see that word suffer, I, I must admit it, it causes a little bit of a, a uneasiness in uh, within us at times. But I'm excited for us to park here today and see what we can learn about this and see that we don't have to be uneasy because God is with us. He hasn't called us to something that he's not going to walk with us through. And so I don't want you to forget that. And so we are in this letter to the Philippians. I think this is the first time we've been there here in 2024. Uh, but we have been in Paul's other letters. We know that Paul wrote this because at the beginning of the letter, it says, uh, let's see, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul starts this similarly to the way that he does his other 12 letters. He wrote 13 of the 27 letters that we have in the New Testament, and we've talked about that a lot before. And um, he tells us right here in this greeting, and he tells us that Timothy was with him and uh, that they are servants of Christ Jesus. Now, in other of Paul's letters, he reminds us that he was called to be an apostle, which was one appointed to take a message. Um, Paul was a Pharisee. He was a very zealous religious Jew, and he, uh, being a part of that group of the Pharisees, that very zealous religious sect, um, when Christ came onto the scene and the stories of his resurrect, his death, burial, and resurrection occurred, and the claims that he was Messiah uh, were spread about. Um, those religious leaders, many of those could not accept that. They didn't want to accept it because Jesus didn't fit into the mold in the box that they had in their mind of how the Messiah would look. Uh, but all the law and the prophets pointed to this. They pointed to what Jesus, how he would come and who he would be. And, um, and so for those that would have eyes to see and ears to hear, it was evident. For those who knew that they were spiritually bankrupt in need of a savior. It was a wonderful news. But for those Pharisees who thought that they had it all together, and some of us can act like Pharisees sometimes, um, they couldn't see that need for the savior. But God was so gracious to him, so gracious that he allowed him uh, to uh, have that encounter with the Lord Jesus on the Damascus Road. Paul was an apostle, but he was not one of those original 12 apostles like we read about in the four gospels. Paul uh, became an apostle after the fact, and he met Jesus on the Damascus Road after Jesus had already been resurrected. And you can read about that in Acts chapters 9, 22, and 26. After uh, Paul had his conversion experience, we read in Galatians that he went away to Arabia for about three years, and then he came back and started on his missionary journeys, and it was on one of these missionary journeys that he went to the city of Philippi. And Philippi was um, a Roman colony. Uh, they were able to uh, have some of the same protections that Roman citizens had. 
And from what I've read, there was a certain amount of pride that they were one of Rome's colonies. Uh, When Paul went to Philippi, um, it seems that there wasn't a synagogue there, so he uh, found a group of Jews who were praying. And we read about this in Acts chapter 16, about how he met uh, a lady named Lydia, and she had uh, was praying with other people there, and it's thought that one of the, the first church at Philippi probably was in her home. She was a seller of purple cloth. Um, but after Paul and Silas, who were traveling together, her uh, began teaching and uh, spreading the good news of the gospel, um, they got into a little trouble, which they often did, uh, in in the different cities to which they uh, traveled. And there was a slave girl who the scripture said had a spirit of divination. And she would follow them and say, um, and this is in Acts chapter 16, you can read all this. She followed, in verse 17, she followed Paul and, and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. She was pro- proclaiming the truth. Uh, but she did this for many days, and Paul became greatly annoyed, cast that uh, spirit out of her. Well, this made her owners mad because they were making money off of her uh, fortune-telling and her divination. And so Paul and Silas were thrown into jail. But God used that mightily because... Um, In that process, and I would encourage you to go back and read it, the Philippian jailer was converted, he and his household, and so they became believers in Christ. So that's a little bit of a background of what went on at Philippi. Well, Paul uh, wrote a letter back to the Philippians because they had sent support to him, and uh, they had also sent uh, Epaphroditus, I think, to help him, but Epaphroditus became very sick on the way, and so Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians to thank them for their generous gift, to tell them that he's sending Epaphroditus back to them, not because Epaphroditus uh, didn't do a good job, but because Epaphroditus was very sick, and um, he wanted them to know that he was Epaphroditus was still doing what he should, but Paul wanted him to come back because he'd been so ill and to warn them against false teachers and to encourage them. But he wrote this from a Roman prison. It's thought that it was a Roman prison. This is one of the four prison epistles. Now, from my understanding, this is a different imprisonment than his last imprisonment to which he wrote uh, letters to a letter to Timothy, Second um, Timothy. But Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians, and Philemon were thought to have been written from this imprisonment. This was one in which people, uh, he was under house arrest, and it's thought and people could come and go. Um, but Paul wanted to encourage them, and we see that very much in our verse for the day and in the verses leading up to our verse for the day. So I want you to hear this and hear Paul's um, explanation. You know, even though he was in prison, Uh, Even though he had gone through difficulties, and he had been told that at the very beginning of his conversion, God had sent Ananias to tell him uh, that he would go and uh, preach this good news and to share the gospel with his fellow Israelites, with the Gentiles, with with kings, and but he would suffer. 
for the sake of Christ. And uh, Paul knew that was part of the assignment. Um, and he knew, though, that in doing that, he was sharing in the sufferings of Christ. And so he talks about that here. I love what he says here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Do you see that? He knew that God had a higher purpose, and I just love that. And he says in verse 14, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. He knew that he was contending and defending the gospel, and he knew that there was a purpose in that, and that was his life's work, was to share the gospel. Uh, Because as we read in and I've talked about before in Romans, Paul described the gospel. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel in Romans 1, 16 and 17, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So Paul knew that 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 power of God for salvation was in this gospel. And so he was prepared to go and to be in any situation that the Lord put him in so that that gospel gospel could be shared. And he says um, it right here in uh, at the end of verse 18, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but will with, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. He was looking. He knew that this, these difficulties were short. They were momentary. And he wanted to be with Christ. He knew that that was coming in eternity. But listen to this. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. He knew it was important for that encouragement, that exhortation, and uh, to train and disciple others in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Right there, he's reminding them about unity, and we've talked about that, being in one spirit and one mind for sharing this gospel, this good news of the gospel that Jesus came for sinners. All of us are sinners. 
He died for and paid the penalty that we owed for our sin. He paid that penalty on the cross. He was placed in a tomb after he died. And then after three days, he was resurrected in full bodily form. He was seen by many. And then he ascended back to heaven where he's seated at the right hand of God. And he's coming again. And he did that so that we could be reconciled. So that relationship could be restored back to the Father. And if we believed that, we could have eternal life with him. If we don't believe, if we refuse and rebel, we'll have eternal separation. But uh, that's what he was talking about. He was striving for that. He says, so that I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. He's saying, you know, no matter what you walk through, don't be frightened. That's a sign of your salvation. That's a sign of your faith that you know that there's something better coming and that this is from God. And then here's our verse for the day. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you shall not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. And I'm going to read right past it. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. I love this in our, in our verse. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. God graciously grants us that ability to hear, to see, to believe, and to understand. And when I talk about hear, I talk. About, I mean uh, that he gives us spiritual ears, spiritual eyes to know that we are sinners, to know that we're in need of a Savior, to believe that Jesus is that one, that one who was that spotless lamb, that one who came to die for us and to save us from our sins. And so I love this. It has been granted to you that for for the sake of Christ, so for his glory, you should not only believe that has been granted in him, but also suffer for his sake. Now, as I mentioned at the top of this program or the top of this uh, podcast, that gives us a little bit of uneasiness, but I want to show you something, friends. Sometimes it's suffering physically, but sometimes it's suffering emotionally because when we look here in the Greek, and we see what that word suffer means. And this has been just such a blessing to me because there are times that I think, have I not, have I suffered enough for the, for the sake of Christ? And, you know, am I doing what he wants me to do? But when we look here, because I have, I can tell you that I feel that he has been so gracious to me. Um, in everything that I've walked through, and there could be much more difficulties to come, you know, in the next minute or in the next few days or the next month or the next year. Um, but I know that he has walked through me, through this with me, and I have to say that many of you could say the same. But I want you to look and see what this word means to suffer. If we look in the Greek, it comes from the Greek word pasco, which is where we get our word passion from. And what that means is to feel heavy emotion, especially of suffering, experiencing feeling. It, it literally means to feel the emotion, the feeling of the mind. It relates to any part of us that feels strong emotion. And I'm getting this from the word studies in the Bible Hub book, uh, Bible Hub app. 
And um, I love what they write here. It says, the Lord has privileged us to have great capacity for feeling, passion, emotion, affections. Indeed, this is inherent because of all, all people are created in his divine image. That ability to share in his sufferings and share um, in suffering for his sake is feeling intensely for others. It's having that intense love and mercy and compassion and care for others um, like he had for us. He did that so much that he, he suffered for us. He laid down his life for us. And so we can, as believers in him, knowing what he's done for us, we have those same emotions, that same passion for others, wanting them to know Christ and to know his resurrection and his salvation. And so I do think that's what Paul means. Paul was talking about the suffering that he'd had, I think, in prison, but he did that so that others would know Christ. He had other sufferings where he was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He talks about that in the letters to the Corinthians, um, and we read about that in the book of Acts. But he did that so that others could know the power of God's salvation through Christ. And may we share in that suffering. Don't let that scare you. Don't let that don't uh, let that old devil come in and say, "Oh no, you can't suffer. You be afraid of suffering." No. That suffering is that intense emotion, that caring so much that you'll walk through something with somebody, for somebody. You'll care so much that you'll share that good news of the gospel because you don't want them to be eternally separated from God the Father. Oh, I love what, and I'll just close with this, this that we read in Second Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 14. It says, for the love of Christ controls us. Some uh, versions say compels us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. His love compels us to have that care, that intense emotion, that intense feeling. And that all comes from God the Father because we're creating in his image. So don't be afraid when you see that suffering. Some of us may have physical. Some may have, have emotional. We may have combinations of all, but we do it for the sake of Christ that others may know him. Blessings to you, friends. Until next time.